Hi, friends. Welcome to another episode of That Sounds Fun. Happy Monday. I'm your host, Annie F. Downs. I'm really happy to be here with you today. We have got a great show for you. So last week, Carlos Whitaker and I had a meeting with our teams to do some planning for the Here For You tour coming up in June. And y'all, we are just so excited to see you. But in order to get to do that, you have to grab your tickets. Remember, tickets to the shows are available at hereforyoutour.com. And pre-party tickets are how you and me get to see each other. Post-party tickets or how you and Carlos get to hang out, but the combo ticket, that's how you're going to have the best time because you get the pre-party, the show, and the post-party. And all those tickets and the show tickets will all be there together. It is going to be so fun. So go to hereforyoutour.com today for all the information. And before we dive into today's conversation, I want to share about one of our amazing sponsors, BetterHelp. One of the things we're about as a friend group is pursuing growth and learning together so we can be good friends to ourselves and each other. We're going to talk about that today with Laura. It is a lifelong process, right? So to truly get to know yourself and to love you and your people well, it's normal to need help along the way. Therapy is all about deepening your self-awareness and understanding. BetterHelp connects you with a licensed therapist who can help you on your journey of self-discovery, no matter where you're starting from. If you're thinking of trying therapy, give BetterHelp a shot. Time with my counselor is one of the things that helps me get unstuck when I'm feeling less than my best. So since BetterHelp is entirely online, it's designed to be convenient and flexible and to fit in your schedule. They've helped remove so many of the obstacles that sometimes keep people from getting the help they need. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So you're sure to be working with someone who is a good match for you. Discover your potential with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com com slash that sounds fun today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash that sounds fun. Today on the show, I get to talk with my friend, Laura Tremaine. You probably remember Laura from when she was with us on episode 287, talking about her book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First. If you missed that one, it is well worth going back and listening. I love that book. It is a twin of That Sounds Fun, born on the same day. Laura has such a cool story, moving from Oklahoma to Los Angeles, sight unseen. When she was 22, years old working in film and television production for many years at MTV, VH1, Fox, and Paramount Pictures, and now writing full-time. She writes about friendship, anxiety, motherhood, marriage, and she's just so relatable and intentional and fun while being such a good teacher in our lives. She's back to share what's been going on with her and about her new book, The Life Council, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs. Man, it is such an invitational and expansive way for us to think about our friendships in a freeing way. It is so good. I cannot wait for y'all to hear all about it. And I love every conversation we get to have about friendship because y'all want to talk about it. So here is my conversation with professional friend, Laura Tremaine. Laura Tremaine, welcome to That Sounds Fun again. Thank you. I'm so glad you're back. I'm so glad to be here and in, in person. person. Welcome to Nashville. Thank you. Makes me so happy. We're going to pick up where we just were. You okay. and I were talking before we hit record. You have a whole new book, The Life Council, about 10 friends every woman needs. But the thing I want us to talk about, married women and single women being friends. Mm. I hear from so many single women that struggle with friendship with their married friends. Mm -hmm. Do you hear from married women saying those kind of things too? No. No. Why do you think that is? I mean, this is just anecdotal, but I just feel like married women, I guess it depends on what season you're in. Yeah. But it kind of takes something like an event or something to really like notice that there's a tension sometimes. Like for me, with my single friends, I noticed it in the pandemic. 
Oh, interesting. Like suddenly I was like, this needs a little more care from me in a different way than I'm caring for my other married friends in this time. Because single women had different struggles in the pandemic. But it took something like that. What happened? Did someone say to you, hey, listen, I feel like you never reach out. Or did someone say, hey, I need to say to you, I'm really struggling. What was the genesis? I had a friend who just told me she was lonely. It wasn't directed at me. It wasn't like you need to reach out or, or anything. It was just Los Angeles lockdown was really intense. And so long, right? So long. Yeah. And... She was home alone, working from home all day long, and she would try to take walks and she would try to do things, but she was just expressing, again, not in a shame-filled way, but she was just like, this is really hard. And it was sort of a light bulb moment for me. Not that I hadn't thought of that before, like anyone's struggles before. The pandemic was so hard, those early days especially. But it was like a little bit of a light bulb moment to be like, I have to pay attention to this in a different way than I'm like texting my mom friends who are home with schooling children and blah, blah, blah. We're all in this solidarity, this particular kind of solidarity in the pandemic. And some of my other friends are like having a different experience. Yeah, that was fascinating for me too, because I don't know if you remember this, but I got locked down really early, a week before our city shut down, or Mm -hmm. 10 days before our city shut down. Because one of my friends, we've been watching The Bachelor, as one does. (laughs) We had shared the French fries that you and I just shared, the exact same. And the next morning, she was like one of the first people to test positive for COVID in our whole county. Wow. And so they made all of us stay home. And like turned our name into the me- the health department, all the things. Everyone else was a mom with kids except me. So on our Marco Polo, we were all having such, I was having such different experiences than them because I was like, I am alone again. I'm alone again. And they were like, our lives are never going to be okay. We cannot leave our house. We are trapped with all these people. So, And in that particular like example or experience, you sort of feel like the grass is always greener. Always. Because... When your kids are home all day, every day for months on end, you're like, all I want to do is be alone in my home. <laughs> yes. And of course, if you're alone, you're like, I wish there were people to talk to or hug or whatever. Hermit, yes. Yeah. Do you know, that's what we did is, I don't know if I've ever told this to you or publicly, but after I was locked down for 10 days, I had one evening before our city shut down. And I went and hugged three different friends mm. because I knew that one of them uh, was medically compromised. And so she had been locked down, too. And I was like, we can hug because I haven't been on anybody for 10 days and you haven't either. So this is our moment to have some amount of physical touch mm-hmm. so that we can feel like humans again. Well, another friend, and I hate to keep talking about the pandemic, but it's just. It's, it's a good example. It's yes. such a big thing. Yes. When the world sort of started to open up again, but like people were still a little dicey about like hugging Uh and stuff like that. She would go get her nails done. This actually makes me want to cry a little bit. She would go get her nails done like more often than usual, once a week or whatever, because they would like massage her feet or her hands or whatever. And it was physical touch, which she wasn't getting because we went through that phase sort of where it did feel dicey to be very touchy with one another. Yes. So The interesting thing I find between single women and married women being friends is that often outside of pandemic times and inside of pandemic times, it feels like a disconnect happens that the single person feels before the married person feels. I would agree with that. Sure. What do you think the why is behind that? You're the friendship expert here at this table today. Okay, cringe at the word expert. Yeah, okay, great. (laughs) I mean, you've got the book that is unbelievable. So uh, people are going to love the Life Council, but 
thank you. I think that when people get married, and we're talking about this in the context of married friends and single friends, but actually this is true in a lot of different ways, that when you have a major life change, you are consumed with your life change. You are obsessed with your own life change. Yeah. And you become- New job, having kids, new city. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, you're right. And you just become- in a, you know, non-negative way, very self-centered Yeah, about your own life change. And yeah. that can go on for three weeks or like two years. Yeah. And sometimes you have to just pull yourself out of it and like have a wake up moment. Sometimes you might have a friend that's like, pull it together. Uh-huh, like, uh-huh. it's not all about you or whatever happens. I think that this does happen in marriage as you're obsessed with your new life change. You're getting a new home and new stuff and you're adjusting and like you're navel gazing about all those things. And I have no problem with navel gazing. I like encourage navel gazing on the internet all the time, but it affects your relationships for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It is one of the things I was saying to you when I have single women reach out to me and say, how do you friendship with married people? Because I have found it really painful or I found it really hard. Very often, I think the single person has has not given enough chances to their married friends to hear their story. Mm. I just feel like often it is that if one thing goes sideways, it's, well, they don't understand me and it's a shutdown. Because also, Laura, this is a situation which obviously happens between women who are married but not moms yet and women who get pregnant or women whose husbands or are getting the promotion and her husband isn't, is that sometimes the thing that hurts your friendship isn't their new life place. It's that they got what you want. Yeah. Do you think that women, as you're talking, I'm thinking about this. It feels like women are too quick sometimes to find that barrier. Yes. Like they want to find a, a reason yes. that we're disconnected. Yes. yes. Instead of leaning into the things we still have in common or the things we still love about each other yeah. or the way that we maybe need to adjust our friendship rhythm. Instead, I don't know if it's like a defense mechanism because I love women. women. I am yeah. a woman. Yeah. But like I feel like we're quick to, in a lot of our relationships – quickly like follow a disconnect yes yes follow a disconnect is exactly what we do i'm i as you're saying that the (laughs) that me and me or the holy spirit is in me is like you know that's what you're doing with that person right now and i'm like oh i am actually literally following a disconnect right now that is unnecessary Mm -hmm. i could just let go of the two things that hurt my feelings or deal with them (laughs) yeah instead of following the disconnect that they've caused for me yes and then just decide like oh they've changed we've changed right all of these things that we right. sort of decide for ourselves. I mean, I think we do that to protect ourselves from being hurt sure. or because we are hearing a lot of messages of empowerment, which is amazing. Yeah. But like there are some of these messages that I hear a lot on the Internet about like toxic people and self-care and all of this yeah. stuff. And I'm like, how is that affecting your relationships? Yes. If you deem everyone that you disagree with as toxic or you know, like the, the, the self-care is that you need to take care of yourself and not go to the birthday dinner or not go to their wedding weekend because it's expensive. You really need yeah. to care for yourself first. Yeah. Put on your own oxygen mask. A lot of those messages <laughs> right. are amazing. Like they're they're born out of decades, centuries yes. of women not taking care of themselves. Yes. So like on the surface level, I'm for those messages. But when you go a little deeper and you start to realize, like, how much they're actually affecting our relationship to self-care always first, then 
I guarantee you, you have friendship issues. Yeah, that's right. If self-care is always first, you have friendship issues. You do. You have wow. to take care of your friendships. Like, it's a to-do, and sometimes it's a chore. Yes, that's exactly right. And sometimes it's expensive and inconvenient, <laughs> yeah. and you lose sleep, and it's a total pain. But, like, it's part of the deal. And I do feel like that some of these messages that we're getting a lot of – these are kind of like online messages, like not memes, but, you know, like inspirational yeah. <laughs> quotes or yeah. whatever, yeah. is kind of messing up some of our relationships or like our attitude in the relationships yeah. of, you know, there's like less self-sacrifice than there used yeah. to be. <laughs> and sometimes oh. friendship requires self-sacrifice. Yeah, no one wants to do that. I don't want to do that. Yeah. When Jenny Allen was on the show and we talked about community, we I had this revelation where I was like, if you have the financial means... You don't ever need help. I can get a ride to the airport from an Uber. Mm. I can get food delivered to my house if I'm sick. I can't tell you how many of our single girlfriends have gotten sick. And we'll say, do you want us to bring you anything? I ordered I ordered groceries. Mm-hmm. They're going to get dropped on my porch. You're like, oh, we don't help each other anymore. Mm-hmm. And so we don't have to sacrifice because everyone takes care of themselves. Right. And so I just decided I wasn't going to use Uber anymore. And so I have to ask people to pick me up and drop me off places. Wow. And it has made me feel terrible. And it has made me get up early to take other people to the airport because they took me the week before. Right? And so it is it has really changed our friendships for me to for me to stop taking care of me. God, that's so amazing that you're saying that. It's weird, right? Yeah. Because again, the ability to Uber anywhere or order ourselves food is like a modern-day miracle. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. And a very privileged point of view. Not everybody can do both of those things or either of those things. Right. Yes. But the fact that it even exists. That's right. <laughs> that all of these things exist. Can you exist. imagine telling college us that you can sit at your house and something besides pizza will come to you? Anything you want will come to you. Literally anything. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I wonder when I think about this. One of the beautiful things you do is you let us watch you write books on social media. Mm-hmm. So I watched you write The Life Council. Where did self-sacrifice come in when you're writing this? Like each of the 10 people, are you like, oh, she has to sacrifice something. Oh, she has to sacrifice something. Did that come to your mind? Is that part of this whole gig working right in friendship? Well, I outline the Life Council members that I have chosen for myself. So if you think of a Life Council as a board of directors, an advisory board, and I chose people in my life who are bringing something sort of different to the table. Like someone is really good at business. I have business besties. Someone is like meets me on a really deep, deep soul level. She's my soul sister. Like, I have these sort of 10 archetypes that work for me. And I'm showing in the book my 10, but I'm also encouraging the reader to like, if they don't, you know, have a business bestie to like pick what works for them. The part about self-sacrifice, or I call it in the book, friendship is a to-do. That's in my five friendship philosophies. So I didn't necessarily apply it to my 10 friends, even though it's sort of implied. But I had to sit down when I was writing this book about friendship. And it isn't just about my friends or like what their strengths are. It's about what do I really believe about friendship? Like what Mm. are my friendship philosophies? Yeah, And one of them is friendship is to do. And one of them is just go. Yeah, Like why do we have to weigh the pros and cons of if we are going to go to our girlfriend's milestone birthday weekend? Uh Oh, you go. Just go. Yes. Just go. Just go. Yeah, I think, I mean, you do such a beautiful job in this book of 
you make friendship sound so inviting and yet realistic. You're not like, remember how when you were 18 and it was easy? It's still that. If you have these 10, you don't do that. No. The just go and the friendship is a to-do feels like the things we need to hear to be reminded. Like, it doesn't matter your life place. There is something to be done here in friendship. If you want friendship, go first. And a lower lift of all of these, one of my other friendship philosophies, I have five total, is like every selfie. Brilliant. Yep. This comes from a David Gate poem that opens the book with permission. I love David Gate. I love his poetry. And he says in his poem, like every selfie. And for some reason, when I read that, I felt like conviction almost. (laughs) Because how often are you sometimes in judgment over people? You're like, oh, my God, with another selfie. Right. Or like, what is she doing exactly? Yes. Or you, you know, so so you might withhold. But you never think anyone thinks that about you. You think everybody knows why I'm putting this up. And somewhere someone is going, why is she? Why is she doing that? And I encourage selfies. <laughs> it's like a huge part of my message is to yes. share yourself. Yes. And I think that sharing yourself involves a selfie yes. most of the time. Yes. But when I read that line, like every selfie, and felt it to my core and was like, that is one of my true friendship philosophies because someone is putting a selfie out there, first of all, withholding it, withholding your like, your comment, your whatever, feels toxic to me. It feels yeah. like poison yeah. to be like, I'm not giving her a like. Yeah, yeah. So I will scroll past. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So that's right. one side. They'll never know, but you are poisonous right then. That's poisonous. That's right. You're right. The other side You're of convicting me. That is not what I brought you here for, <laughs> Laura Tremaine. I thought we were just going to laugh and eat fries. Okay, keep going. The other part is actually liking people's selfies is the smallest way that we can cheer one another on. Mm. If someone is posting a selfie, whether you're like into it or not, whether you think that they post too much, whether you think that they don't look great, so why would you comment that they look great? I mean, whatever inauthenticity dilemma you're having in yeah. your mind, it like literally doesn't matter. Yeah. You can like your friend's selfies with abandon. Yeah. And it makes you feel good. It makes them feel good. Like we are not culture critics who are like, I'm going to decide what I like and mm-hmm. what I don't like. Mm-hmm. What five-star rating I'm giving my friends Thank online you. or right. not. No, right. we are not that. No. We're their friends. Like every selfie. What? That's like the smallest thing in the world to cheer on our friends. And I'm mentioning this. It's one of my friendship philosophies because one time on Instagram, I asked, do you notice if people don't like your posts? And this is not to influence our friends or like fellow authors or whatever. This is just all of us normal people. Like normal people, when you post a picture of your kids or a selfie or your vacation or Mm -hmm. whatever, do you notice when people don't interact with it? And of everything that I talk about on Instagram, and I ask all kinds of questions on Instagram all the time, it got the craziest range of response. So I had people who were like, absolutely not. You can't keep score that way. It's ridiculous to pay attention to if people like your stuff or not. I blame the algorithm. (laughs) Like Uh There was like all uh of that stuff. And then there was 
you know, 50% of people who this was a core wound to them that they did not want to ever say out loud because it made them feel petty or it made them feel high maintenance, but they were like, it hurts my feelings deeply when my friends, who I can see are active online, by the way, do not like my stuff. You're not nowhere. You're just not here. And I just paid so much attention to that reaction. And that's what made me sort of bring to this, like, how hard is it to like every selfie? It's not. Do you know, I, it's funny you say this. I had a friend have like a, we need to talk with me a couple of weeks ago. Mm. And I had muted everyone's stories for a season, like every stories. It was a self-control. I was like, not, she said, you've quit watching my stories. (gasps) And I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm not watching any stories. I'm watching zero stories. And she was like, well, you just used to comment on them and you don't anymore. And I feel like something's wrong with us, like between us. And I was like, holy cow, I'm so glad you said this to me. I had no, Laura, I couldn't have had one idea that she ever noticed. But because my internet world is not my personal world as much, right? But she was carrying it around. Yes. And I'm so glad she told me. Yes. But I just, yeah, I didn't know. So like the selfies because. And you can't poo-poo the people that care about that. No, because I do care about some. I mean, I care about things too, certainly. Yes. No, not you. I'm saying like to anyone listening of like, God, this, I don't care about selfies. I don't care about likes. I'm like, I think that this is a little bit of a personality type of if you care about this or not, but you can't like say it doesn't matter if your friend comes to you and is like i've noticed that you never interact with my stuff online you can't be like well that that doesn't matter at all if it matters to them and they're noticing that hurt it matters it matters that's exactly right oh i unmuted her the only story i watched for the rest of my break (laughs) from watching stories i was like oh i will watch everything i will you will hear from me too much yeah because because if it matters to her it needs to matter to me Right. I mean, if you were on the internet in a totally different way and you had to say, I'm on an Instagram break, like it's not personal. I mean, I guess that would be a different, there's ways that you can handle this. It's not like a completely blanket statement. But again, when I posted this Instagram poll and saw like how widely different people Uh feel about this, I was like, well, this deserves a conversation. Yes. In your friendship group or one-on-one to discuss if this matters to you. Or like your friend did, bring it to you and be like, I've noticed this change. I was so glad she did. Mm -hmm. I was like, you win for being the brave one here. (laughs) Because what a terrible thing to have to say. My feelings are hurt because of a thing that you may deem petty. Yeah, it's so vulnerable that she did that. Oh, it sealed me and friendship to her forever. Because I thought, yes, I want you to tell me every time, Mm -hmm. you know. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation real quick to share about one of our amazing partners, Chime. What are the first things on your mind when you get up in the morning? I hope those are some peaceful moments when you don't go straight to your phone, but you go to God and your people before you dive into your day and your cup of coffee or tea. Please just tell me one thing that is on that list is not your credit score. At Chime, they're thinking about your credit score, so you don't have to. With their secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card, you can start to build credit with your own money. Chime reports your payments to credit bureaus to help you build credit over time. Their members see an increase of 30 points on average, all of this with no annual fees, no large security deposits, and no credit checks to apply. So start your credit journey with Chime. Sign up takes only two minutes and doesn't affect your credit score. Get started at Chime.com slash that sounds fun. That's Chime.com slash that sounds fun. The Chime Credit Builder Visa Credit Card is issued by Stride Bank NA pursuant to a license from the Visa USA Chime checking account and $200 qualifying direct deposit required 
to apply for the secured Chime Credit Builder Visa credit card. Regular on-time payment history can have a positive impact on your credit score. Impact to score may vary, and some user scores may not improve. Out-of-network ATM withdrawal fees may apply except at MoneyPass ATMs in a 7-Eleven or any AllPoint or Visa Plus Alliance ATM. And now back to our conversation with Laura. One of your other philosophies that I would love for you to talk about is that your spouse is not your best friend. Yeah. The internet tells you that's not true. Movies tell you that's not true. TikTok tells you that's not true. (laughs) Whenever I say out loud publicly that my husband is not my best friend, people immediately assume we have marriage troubles. (laughs) Really? I mean, people are like, oh. Oh, was he? Mm. Did he used to be? Yeah. I'm sorry for you. (laughs) And... This is really important to me because my husband is my most important person in my life. Yes. He's my first call. He's my life partner. He's my co-parent. He is my, like, truly the most important in my whole entire life. He's not my best friend. My best friends fill an entirely different cup, an entire Uh, different part of my heart. Like, they are different people. Yes. And... When I was early married, and I was actually in a lonely period that had nothing to do with my marriage, but at the time, I was living in Los Angeles. I had just stopped working in reality TV, which I worked for a long time. In your 20s, 30s? 20s. I got married when I was 27. I quit working in reality TV because my husband Jeff's a lot older than me. We wanted to start a family right away. And I was just—all my friends had been— Work friends, basically, in L.A. It's really hard to make friends in L.A. Yeah, because y'all work insane hours compared to some other uh, professions. Yes, and it's just a different friendship culture in Los Angeles, honestly. Uh But I was really lonely. I was newly married. And Jeff and I had been friends before we dated. And so I was just putting all of my relationship, everything, into him. I wanted him to be my best friend because that's what culture tells us. You marry your best friend. Isn't that romantic? Right. I wanted all these things. Jeff's great, but he does not spend four hours at dinner analyzing all the things. Yes. He does not belly laugh with me about stupid stuff. He is just a different human. And when I was like putting all of my loneliness and all of my connection into one person, he kept disappointing me. And that Mm. was not his fault. Yeah. Because he was scrambling to try to like fill this basket that was not his to fill. And finally, like it was, you know, this was 15 years ago, but finally, like spending some time with girlfriends and whatever, it was an aha moment for me to be like, these are two different relationships. Mm. Jeff is my husband and my best friends are my best friends. Yeah. It feels like a lot, like when we look at the history of marriage, it feels like a lot of pressure we've put on our partner in modern day to be, to fill all those roles. Yeah, it's not normal. Yeah. And if your marriage doesn't work out, which happens, and you've lost every major connection in your life because of that. Like, I want to have poured into other relationships in my life also. Yeah. I mean, because one of the things they tell single people is build a really robust life before you get married, because that actually makes you more attractive. Like, having a full life is what... That's what I'm I'm attracted to men who have, like, lives, who are doing things, right? And so to say, well, now that I'm married, I stop having all those other friendships does feel sideways. And I felt like when I was really expecting Jeff to be everything, this was, again, in the first couple of years of my marriage, I started to not feel like myself in a, like, in a strange, like, needy and desperate way. Like, I felt Ah. clingy to him. 
in some way. When we were dating, I didn't feel that. I had yeah. friends. I, you know, I had a whole life, like whatever. Yeah. And then when we were married, I was like, I, I don't know. I didn't like the way it felt in my spirit yeah. to feel so dependent and clingy on him emotionally. Yeah. When I was like, I this is not me standing upright in my own strength. Yeah, yeah. So when you're building a life council, can I read the 10 that are in yours? Yes, please. The 10 people that are or the 10 roles in your life council, the daily duty friend, the old friend, the business bestie, the fellow obsessive, thank you, the battle buddy, the yes friend, the mentor, the password protector, the empty chair, which is heartbreaking, that chapter, oof. the new friend, the soul sister. You're saying to me, we aren't looking, when we're getting ready to build our life council, as we read your book and we sit down and go, I need to fill all these roles. My husband isn't one of the 10. Nope. And I don't have to do these exact 10. No, if they don't connect with you. I hope that it gets people's like, you know, creative juices flowing to yeah. they can see what a f- certain friend brings to their life. It might not fit in my exact categories. Yeah. Yep. Because people are in different stages of their life. People have yep. different personality types. People have different... Friends, like the mentor, for example, that's a seasonal friend, possibly. Yeah, that's right. That might not be a lifetime relationship. So if you're in a time of your life where you really need or crave a mentor, or you can look backwards and think, oh, that was a time in my life when I had a mentor, and maybe now I don't. Yeah. Because the other thing about this book is when people see the title, 10 Friends Every Woman Needs, everybody gets real skittish about like, I don't have 10 friends. I've never had 10 friends. Oh, like, I've whatever. got two friends. I have two <laughs> friends that matter to me. Don't make me have 10. Yes. I don't have time. I will never have 10 friends. Yeah, I'm an I introvert. Trust that many people. Oh, I'm an introvert, right. And then you've also got the Enneagram Annies and the sevens <laughs> who go like, only 10? Yes. I have 75 people that I could put in my life count, right? Now, none of them are as deep as the two friends that the other person has, possibly. Right. But, yes. So I don't I want, I don't want people to be turned off by the 10 friends because it's really 10 friends over a lifetime. Yeah. Because, again, some oh, of these are, are seasonal. A mentor, yeah. a fellow obsessive. Again, that might be a seasonal friend that you're not always going to have. Yeah. Some we of, quit watching The Bachelor after the COVID experience. So our obsessive Bachelor friends, I have not watched an episode since the night before I got locked down. Well, and do, are those friendships? Yeah, those different? friendships still exist. Yeah, but but we don't have this thing we all obsess to, obsess together. Exactly. Over. Now we're in a book club. And some of your some of the life council members or the stereotypes, the archetypes that I lay out, they might cross over. So, like your business bestie might also be your daily duty friend because yeah. you see them daily. Yes, and your Kelly, who you just saw. Yes, she yeah. is all those things to me. Yeah, let's take a minute and talk about the empty chair. Okay, because that is your chapter on losing friendships. And I have never had a response in my life, like when I talked about my best friend and I having a breakup. Mm. And nobody talks about women breaking up with each other in friendship. Why did you need to include the empty chair? Is that personal for you? Have you just seen it? Or what? why did that matter to you? Because I also had a best friend breakup. Yeah. And it was devastating to me. When I tell you, devastating. It's the, it's the worst breakup of my whole life. It was worse than... Most heartbreaks like yep. that I've ever had, me like too. in a romantic way or, or anything else. It was, it absolutely wrecked me. And I think I was surprised by how much it wrecked me because, because people don't talk about this. Yeah. And also because I kind of thought like, this isn't actually happening. <laughs> like, Right. We can't do this, right? This is, we'll get better, right? Right. Mm-mm. Because people don't talk about it like that because no. you expect romantic relationships to break up. We understand you end that relationship. Yes. Or you commit to them for life. Right. Those, Those are, are the, the two options. With exactly. Romantic. 
But with friendships, you know, we might be more familiar with like a friendship fade out. Yeah. Or something like that. But people don't talk about a definitive, like I got an email. Yeah. And it was definitive. Mm -hmm. And it didn't even break my heart the second I read it. Because again, I was like, I don't know if I was in denial or what was (laughs) happening. But as time went on, and I realized like, oh, no, I'm, we're not friends anymore. I was really crippled by it. And for years, for much longer than I thought. It wasn't just like six months of sadness. It was like years. years. Me too. Me too. The other thing I experienced in myself, I wonder if this happened to you, is I was even going like, why do I care this much? This makes me feel weird about me that I'm having such a sad reaction to this breakup. Can't I just let friends go? I mean, I was even shaming myself. Mm. So I didn't tell anybody how much I was hurting Exactly. I told some people that I that it was happening, but I didn't tell people how much I was hurting because I felt weird about how much I was hurting. Well, because we're taught that friendships are like a naturally occurring resource. Like there's always <laughs> right. friends. It's a river. It's just going to keep happening. Yeah. No. But that's not true yeah. or not in the same way. Like we can't just easily replace one girlfriend with another. That's it. That's exactly right. Why do we not tell? Like, what do we do when we feel so much shame ourselves? I write about it in the book mainly to give people permission to grieve it in yes. the way that we're talking about yes. it. Yes. Of like, you may be sad about this for much longer than you expect. Yes. And I really wanted people to like have that amount of reverence for it mm-hmm. that we have for other huge changes in our life, like yes. divorces, yes. getting fired from a job, like big changes that fill us with like rejection or anything like that. Like we let ourselves have a grieving period. And yeah. why does no one do that for the end of friendships? These are important relationships in our life. Yes, They occupy our days, our hearts. So when I write about the empty chair in the book, I am giving people permission to really grieve that part yeah. and to ha- to keep a seat on your life council you can look at it two ways you can look at it as in reverence or you can look at it as in hope so for mm. me my empty chair wow. i kept almost like in memoriam yes <laughs> for a while yes like i was like no one's going to fill that seat no one will ever oh if you knew how many times i said i'll never have a best friend again it's fine i'll have good friends i'll never have a best friend again yes yeah so that's how my heart felt about the empty chair for a long time. And then there is a tipping point where the empty chair becomes a seat waiting to be filled. Yeah. Where it's full of hope. Yes. Where if you haven't had a best friend or you lost a particular type of best friend, where you can be like, I am feeling assured that that chair will be Mm -hmm. filled. Mm -hmm. And I can't wait to meet her. Yes. So when we break up in romantic ways... You don't get to really leave an empty chair in your life because you're like, no, he's gone. Like, this is a breakup. This is a breakup. But what I'm hearing you say and what I am experiencing as I think about my own stories, I'm like, man, it really mattered that I left that empty chair there because my friend Betsy, who did come and sit in it. I mean, I remember just tearing up at her birthday party as we went around and did the thing. And I said, you gave me hope I could have a best friend again. Mm. And I didn't think I'd ever would until Betsy. And so... And then she was and is such a dear friend still. So if you take away that chair, you're taking away hope. That's right. You're closing your heart off to it. So like I feel like I needed to keep that space in my heart. And actually my friendship breakup was 
before I'd sort of articulated like this life council concept. Yes. But I can see that this is what I was doing. Yes. I had to keep a space in my heart for this person yes. for a while. And then that space opened up yes. because I'd kept it there. It opened up to then be a place that was ready to be filled. Yeah. But if I had closed it off, as we do sometimes when relationships end and we just like put a wall, yeah. like we were talking about the disconnect earlier, we're yeah. just like, nope, a wall. I'll never yeah. have a best friend again. <laughs> yeah. I'll never be hurt like this again. I'll never trust women again. These are all things that we say to ourselves and mm. that we know other people who like espouse this kind of idea because we have not kept an empty chair. We have like walled it off. Yes. Yes. And that that will not bring you friendship. Yeah. Well, the real rule is you've probably kept the empty chair. You've just put glass on every side. You don't not see it. You've just decided no one can sit in it. That's right. But it is right there. That's right. Waiting for you to heal with it. Or you've put spikes on it so that's uh-huh. the person who comes to try and sit in it. You hurt them. Yeah, you hurt them or you immediately look for something to be wrong. Yes. Laura, you're right. So let's stay on this path for just a second. I'm thinking about our friends who are listening who are in the grocery store crying. Or they are doing their dishes just teary because I know, I mean, you and I both know <laughs> what this feels like. But the the friendship breakup, the kids are still best friends. And so you still have to drop them off for baseball with her son. Or y'all still are at the same church. And guess what? Everybody loves God. And everybody has to be nice to each other at church. And y'all are still in the choir together or you're still on the same volunteer committee. But the chair is empty. What do you do when that friend still is in your atmosphere. Gosh, that was not my story. We didn't even live in the same state. Yeah. I cannot imagine that pain. I mean, I think that is as hard as seeing an ex yeah. all the time, yeah. over and over. Yep. And I think you just have to keep, like, how do I even say this? Like, keep your spirit up. Keep your heart open. You stay when they like we your, go high and the words of Michelle. <laughs> you can see my hands. I'm yes. like, you stay your highest self yeah. because women can be mean to yes. each other. Yes. We can be catty. We can be petty. You know, we can make a, a jab. We can, even the best of us yes. can manipulate other people in our orbit, yes. try to turn people against people. Like it is, this is complicated stuff. Yes. But it's real. We can't always pretend we're always our best selves. That's it. That's it. And in every breakup, I contributed. In oh, every yes. breakup, and romantically, and in the, my breakup with my best friend, we all contribute. And we all are the victim and the perpetrator of in course. breakups. Yeah. It's funny you say that because I don't know if I wrote about this explicitly in the book, but I definitely felt and portrayed myself as a victim in my friendship breakup, like I really felt like she had done something to me yeah. because she was the one that said the final word. That is not true. Yeah. <laughs> it's not even, I fully participated in all the dynamics me that too. led up to the finality of it. But yeah. like she was just the one that said it. Yeah. I was the one that was also participating in it and probably would have let it go on in an unhealthy way for indefinitely. Totally. Totally. Do y'all have any communication now or no? Um, a little bit. Yeah, us too. That's our, I mean, there's been enough healing that we don't live in the same state either now, but there's been enough healing that we like send jokes back and forth sometimes. Like there's a little bit of friendship and it's matters to me. I think that now with some space, because it's been years and yeah, years now, same. I think I didn't let myself think about for a few years, but now I can really say is we really loved each other. Yeah. 
And I think we love each other still. Yes, yes. And I'll tell you, I started healing when I took ownership of my part. Mm. That's when I started realizing that there could be some version of a recovered friendship when I stopped being the one that was perpetrated fully. Mm. When in, in this particular breakup, I had my, once I identified my role and started healing and working on me in that is when it made space for that friendship to have some breathing air again. Mm -hmm. And so, but that doesn't always happen. I have other friends that we stopped being friends and we aren't in each other's lives at all. And that's okay. I didn't even know I was healing because it just felt so raw for so long. And then I kind of went through like a numb phase where I didn't think about it for a while until one time I was in Target randomly running errands and there was something that reminded me of like an old inside joke. And Instead of it feeling like, instead of me immediately pushing it away or like, you know, getting tears in my eyes or like any of the things, I felt an immediate like warmth. Ah, yeah. About the joke. Yes, yes. I totally know. And I was like, oh, I feel like good about that I can just have that memory and like move on with my day. Yeah. And I was like, that is healing. Yeah, that's right. I think that matters so much. You just even giving permission for people to grieve this like the breakup that it is. Mm -hmm. You do not have to pretend like it hurts less because it's a female friend you've had. It can hurt more. Yes. (laughs) It can be so, so real. The other friends in your life council, do they come in a rank? Do we rank them? Are there ones that are more like, okay, she's right. Laura's right. I'm going right now to get the book and go through the life council. The first one I have to find is... Okay, I'm so glad you asked this. No one has asked me this. <gasps> yeah. It was actually one of the sort of disclaimers at the first of the book because I was like, if it feels juvenile to you to, like, give your friends these labels or to, like, feel like you're ranking them, uh-huh. try and just, like, <laughs> right. let that part go. Right. We aren't ranking them, like, you know, middle school. Yeah, where yeah, you're yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You're my your, best friend. Then you're my next. MySpace top eight. Yeah. yeah no. Like, you're not the B team of friendship. That's right. That's right. It's not that. It's not that at all. And some of the labels are even silly, like battle buddy, yeah, business bestie. Like, for some personalities, that's going to be like, okay, with these goofy labels. <laughs> I don't think they're ranked in importance in the book. I sort of present them all similarly. Yeah, you do. I think that naturally we might rank ourselves. I mean – some of us have best friends that are closer to us than others. Sometimes old friends might hold like a different, yeah. you know, might be on a different pedestal for yeah. you yeah. than a coworker friend right. or something like that or a fellow obsessive. Like I think that's sort of natural. I didn't want to get into the feeling of ranking them because that does feel like a little bit icky even if it's a little bit natural. Yeah. I just didn't want to present it like yeah. that. yeah. Also, because people's lives are different, like your mentor might be the most important person in your life right now. And I didn't, that doesn't mean that they're more important than a new friend or what. You know, I yes, just didn't want to think yes, about it like that. Yes. So it's a, the table is round. Yes. Yeah. And really, you're really looking at what the different people, like the different strengths that they bring. Because another thing that I talk about in the book that is also something I learned a little bit late in life, because I'm a really like, I want to have deep conversations. I don't like small talk, like all this kind of thing. And so I felt like a person had to be like a deep thinker like me to be a good friend. It took me a long time to realize the value of friends that are just fun. Yeah. 
Yeah. That having a fun friend who maybe doesn't want to have deep conversation, but she is always up for a trip. Yeah. She's always up to grab a drink. Like that is still something that is so fun. That's a fun part of my life. Yeah. That is a seat on my life council. And one out of five hangs, us fun ones, will have a deep conversation. Yeah, of course. But But I'm the one who's also like, please, can we just go do something fun this time? Because me being with you and us being on a roller coaster is giving me the same connection you feel when we have deep conversations. I'm so glad you said that. Yeah. Because I think that we don't always have to have a certain type of friend like so many different personality types bring value to our life mm-hmm. and we bring to theirs. Mm-hmm. Like I'm yes. not the fun friend. You are fun though. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I'm not unfun, I guess. No. But my good friends would not be like, oh my gosh, she's the funnest. Sure, 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 sure. <laughs> fair, fair, fair. And I'm like, but I you're can... always reliable for like, let's dive deep. Yes, and I meet can meet me there. Yeah. I can accept who I am. Yeah. So when you're reading about who you want to assemble on your life council or who is already there, also think about who you are on other people's life council. Like what value are you bringing? And then you can lean into that. Like if you want to accept like, hey, I'm not the fun friend, you need to call Sally. Yeah. What I am is who you call when you're having trouble or whatever. (laughs) Like lean into your own strengths of it. Because while one friend can't be everything to you, you certainly can't be everything to someone else. That's right. And boy, when, when you are having to be everything to someone else, it feels like it. Oh, it'll sink a friendship. Yeah, that's right. I mean, that was one of the things I did wrong with our friendship breakup is I was putting too many labels of too many life council seats on one friend Mm -hmm. and not letting it be spread a little bit wider. Yeah. So I think that is, yeah, being the fun friend. I'm not always the fun friend, but in the ones where I am the fun friend, I'm always like, hey, listen, I'm with you in the depth, but I need you to be with me in the fun, too. We need to do that. That's the self-sacrifice stuff. Okay, but can I ask you this? Because I have one fun friend who is genuinely fun, always. But she has told me before in the past that she actually feels a lot of pressure to always be fun. Yes, yeah. And she isn't always feeling fun. That's right. It honestly sometimes is like either be fun or stay home. Well, that's like I hated it when she said that. Yeah. And you know what? She was actually saying it in a way of like, you know, when people introduce me like, oh, this is Annie. She's hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> then you suddenly feel like you have to like, be hilarious. Yeah, for sure. And she was like, I don't like I'm glad you think I'm funny, but like I can't perform. Yeah, that's right. Or you don't know what's going what went on the eight minutes before you got we got to this dinner. And how me and whoever were fighting on the phone, and now you want me to be funny to your new friends? Yeah. (laughs) I was going to tell you that I've been crying in the car. (laughs) Exactly. But I was glad that she said that. She actually said it in a funny way. She was actually funny in her presentation of not wanting to always be called fun. But it hit me. Like, I was like, you're right. Because what, I mean, if we dial down every page of the Life Council book, the trick is communication. Yep. That's it. That's the trick of healthy relationship. Communication and humility, I think, are the way we hack the system of life. And the other key ingredient for me that has been huge in the last few years for me is paying attention. Hmm. Because we are all busy. Yeah. And we are on social media and we hear the news and we just get so much information in a day. In a single hour, all the information that we're getting, it's really hard to filter down and be like, what do I need to actually pay attention to? Yeah, yeah. And it's not always the news or Instagram or whatever. Like, I need to pay attention to the person that's in front of me. I need to notice that they're struggling. Yes. 
Yeah. Can't speaking of Instagram, can your life council be people that are internet friends? Yes. I have a whole section in there about making friends on the internet. Some yeah. of my best friends are on the internet. But you took it off the internet at some point, right? The friendship? Yep. Or are Mostly. they people that you still only interact with online? Mostly they've eventually come off yeah. the internet. Yeah. But sometimes I feel I do feel connected to people that I've never actually met in real life. Yeah. And in the mentor section of the book, I also give a little bit of an allowance for people being a mentor to you that you don't actually know. Oh, Tabitha Brown. All day long, Tabitha Brown. So that's a little bit different because it's not relationship like we're yeah, talking about. Yeah. But also, again, I wanted to give permission for all the people that are speaking into your life. Yes. And sometimes you don't know them. Yes, that's right. <laughs> and they can, but they can be a mentor for you in a certain season. Like yes. I'm really learning from this person and it's not relational, but it's a seat on my life council. In With fellow obsessives, sometimes that can be people like in a Facebook group Yes. or, you know, whatever kind of. A, a Patreon group or yeah. a Reddit forum or whatever yeah. who are also obsessed with this thing. Yeah. Again, less relational, but feeding a part of your spirit. Yes. I mean, every time I'm buying yarn or fabric for cross-stitching, I'm talking to anyone else in the aisle because <laughs> yes. we're fellow obsessives. Like, we aren't going to be long-term friends. We, our season is going to be this 12-minute conversation, mm -hmm. but we are fellow obsessives for that little minute. Yes. Yeah. And you probably get back in your car and feel more happy. fulfilled. So happy. I'm always, if you knew how much I would, ho I hover in that aisle <laughs> in hopes. Someone, I mean, that does not surprise anyone about me. I hover in hopes that someone will come along and we can talk about our projects. Yes. Because yeah. I, I mean, fellow obsessives are some of my favorite friends to have about whatever I decide I love. Yeah, yeah. totally. It's one of my favorite things. Hey, friends, just interrupting this conversation one last time to share about one of our amazing partners, the Hallow app. Okay, I've been loving using the Hallow app as part of my Lent practices this year. I missed one day so far. I've only missed one day. Hallow is the number one prayer app in the world with over 9 million downloads and 150 million prayers completed. How cool to get to be among those. I am fascinated by the connections and the ways that my Protestant faith and this Catholic app meet up. And I love staying curious about how God wants us to pursue unity and love by staying connected to Him. Hallow helps with that, along with helping you to pray, meditate, and sleep better and providing resources resources for you to build a daily routine and a habit of prayer. There are thousands of prayers, meditations, and Christian music available in the app for you to choose from and for all parts of your day. Begin the day with a scripture reading and a reflection. Play the Bible in a year podcast with our dude, Father Mike, as you get ready or on your commute. Listen to peaceful music throughout your day or end your day with a Bible story. Right now, Hallow has an incredible Lent challenge with daily prayers and meditations to bring you closer to Jesus leading up to Easter. And this week, they're starting the 12 Stations of the Cross which I'm really interested to learn more about. I'm personally doing the challenge. I've really been moved by it. They feature meditations that are led by our friend Jonathan Rumi and by other notable voices like Jim Caviezel and Mark Wahlberg and others. Hallow is offering our friends an extended three-month trial of all 10,000-plus prayers and meditations at hallow.com slash that sounds fun. Just visit hallow.com slash that sounds fun for an extended three-month trial. And now back to finish up our conversation with Laura Tremaine. I'll tell you one way that you mentor all of us is you show us your fish tank and you make us read for 20 minutes a day. <laughs> yes. I mean, if people aren't following you on the Instagram, they need to now because you literally just go, we're going live. I'm going to show you my pond outside, my aquarium inside, <laughs> my backyard, and we're going to read for 20 minutes. 
Wait, can we give some context to why there's so many fish? In yeah, yeah, yeah. There are so many fish in your life. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, my husband is very into animals, very, very into animals. And so his sort of midlife crisis, he didn't buy a Ferrari. He bought a fish tank, yeah. <laughs> like oh. an enormous. Yes, a room size fish tank. Yes, a huge, huge, like 10 foot long fish tank that's in our dining room. And then, <laughs> which it's just ridiculous. And then outside at our house, we also have a koi pond. So yes. there's a lot of fish in my life. Yes. But what I'm really passionate about is not the fish. I'm passionate about the 20-minute reading timer. Yeah. And I don't know anyone else that does this on Instagram. I don't either. I did, if you knew how much I did it with you, I should just – I'm going to start texting you every time. If I see you do it, I'm like, well, I'm stopping what I'm doing. And I'm there have been times where I've saved it and gone back and done it that night. Oh, a lot of people watch them back. Like yes. I can tell by yes. the views. Yeah. I just – Go live. I turn the camera towards something pretty, which in my life happens to be the fish tank. And I want people – we always greet one another first and sort of say what we're reading. And then I just set a timer for 20 minutes. I'm so passionate about the 20-minute reading timer. You can get so much more reading done in 20 minutes than you think. I think that people who want to read more or want to become readers or think, oh, I don't have time to read, they think they have to read for like three hours in an afternoon on a rainy day. Like, no. 20 minutes a day. I read 20 minutes nonfiction in the morning, every morning, like mm-hmm. without fail. Mm-hmm. It is more important to me than, you know, a workout or any of those things is my mm-hmm. reading time. It mm-hmm. is like connects me to myself. And also there's such amazing books in the world and yeah. I want to read them. Yes. And you have to make time for it. And 20 minutes a day. Here I am. I'm like on my evangelist. I want you to be. That's like, why I, I know. I am passionate about it yes. because so many people say that they don't have time to read. And I'm like, I guarantee you, you scrolled for 20 minutes. Oh, for that is my, I mean, that's one of the reasons I got a Kindle. As I was like, if you're going to scroll, scroll pages of a book. Yes. Yeah. And 20 minutes is not that long. Set your timer on your phone. Like, I feel like it's the perfect amount. Half hour starts to kind of eat into your productivity or your day yeah, or whatever. Yeah. 20 minutes. We all have it. Yeah. Set a timer. Read. If you're not reading at all or not reading much and you want to, like the average book and the average paced reader, even a slower paced reader, you can get through a book in about two weeks at yeah. 20 minutes a day. Yeah. So if you aren't reading much at all, that's two books a month. Yes. That's 24 bucks a year. Yeah. I have to ask you if you've read a book. We have to do this. This could be a whole other podcast of us doing novels. Have you read Anatomy, A Love Story? No. Do I need to? It's not. It may not be everybody's cup of tea. It's our book club book. It was a Reese Witherspoon last year. It's set in Edinburgh, which is always going to get me. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of gory because it's a nat- it's about a, um, someone who's learning to be a surgeon, so they're practicing on cadavers. Okay. Dude, it is weird. It is so good and so weird. So I recommend it. I okay, recommend good it to, to know. I don't mind gore. I like horror. Yeah, actually, yeah. It's, so so it, it is in that because it's um, they're called resurrection men who steal bodies from graves oh. in order for students and people to get to practice. This is in the 1800s. It was when it was it was obviously illegal. And, but it, so you follow a resurrection man and a student. This conversation took a turn. Didn't it? <laughs> Welcome to being with me, Laura. Welcome to being with me. <laughs> you are not surprised. But I just, I, I ever since I finished it, I've been wanting to ask you and Ann Bogle if y'all have read this book. Well, now you've convinced me. Now I have to go buy it on it's my Kindle good, yeah. and read it for 20 minutes. Yes. You know what I also I love about the Kindle? 
that I think people who are non-Kindle holders might appreciate is I know how much longer is left in the book because it learns my reading pace. Yes. So I go, oh, and if this book finishes in four hours, I can just read. I will watch a show for four hours. I will sit on my couch and watch four episodes of something on accident. Mm -hmm. So that's 30 minutes a day for a week, a week and a half. Okay. That helps me about the Kindle. Yeah, I love the Kindle You're both, right? You're both your Kindle and paper. I will do both, but honestly... I'm mostly Kindle now yeah. because I carry it in my purse everywhere. Me too. And I like the reading speed at the bottom. Yeah. I just, yeah, I much prefer it. For nonfiction, I like the paper because I like to underline and stuff like 100% that. 100% the same way. Nonfiction and paper, novel, Amazon Unlimited, let me go. Yeah. Library, yeah. all of it. And I'll buy them too. Okay, Laura, the one other thing I have to ask you about is your podcast is coming back. Yes. It's a resurrection story. It really Speaking is. Speaking of resurrection men. 10 Things to Tell You has taken a break and you're bringing her back. That's right. I love how you quit and said, I don't know if this will ever come back because you really had to walk away from it. Yeah, I mean, you make it sound a little more ominous than it was. (laughs) Well, I mean, just thought, oh, it's never coming back. And you're like, you guys, it's never coming back. I'm done. No, I didn't say that. Oh, I thought you said it wasn't coming back. I said, I'm not sure because I needed some, I had a difficult 2021. And I know a lot of us have had difficult years in the last few years. I had some health stuff, some extended family stuff. Like I just had a rough year. And at the end of it, I was spiraling all the way out. And I was like, something has to go. I was on book deadline for this book, you know, all the things. And I was like, something has to go. And the thing that is taking up the biggest part of my plate that can go actually is this podcast. Mm -hmm. Even though I loved making it, I, I love being behind the mic. I put it I I said it's over, but I was always open to coming back. I knew I wanted to come back to podcasting. And so I took a year off, and then I was like, I'm ready to come back. And you know what people said when I walked away from it? Because it was uh, successful. I mean, I don't know how else to say it. When I walked away from it is that I got a lot of messages. This was unintentional and absolutely not what I was going for here. But I did get messages from people being like, thank you for modeling. yes stopping something even when it's working that's right that's right and again that was not my intention but I was like oh maybe maybe sometimes we need to see someone do that and say I just I have to put this on pause or or quit this whole thing even though it's financially successful even though it's still creatively fulfilling but something has to go and this is what I choose because most of the time what we do is we power it out right like we're just like well we have to keep doing this thing because it's is going well. No one has ever said quit something that's going well. I, know. <laughs> I I am the worst about powering it out to the point where I everyone here suffered when I tried to power it out through some things and learned a hard lesson. But also, like, why can't we normalize putting things on pause? Yeah. Like, what happens when you put a podcast on pause? Right. I mean, the world keeps spinning. Everyone survives. Yeah. It is all fine. Yes. And a, that's true with a lot of things in our life. If you're like, I'm going to stop this volunteer opportunity for a little bit. I'm yeah. going to not travel for a bit. I'm gonna Whatever you need to put on pause, like, people just, we don't normalize that yeah. at all. Now, yeah. I know there's often other considerations. Like, if you employ people... Or you rely on that yeah. income or like, oh, there's all kinds of things, of Certainly. course. It's a bell curve of right. what you can do. Yes. But also, just seeing someone else do something, I mean, this is why I love the internet. Right. We get to see all the people do all the things. That's exactly right. <laughs> I mean, that's that. people should be allowed to do that with the gym. They should be allowed to do that with 
church, maybe, (laughs) for a season of like, I am going to take a break from this building. Yes. And I'm going to take a break, whatever that building is, whether it's Target because you need to quit spending money or it's the movie theater because you're escaping too much. And and we just, we don't have a lot of permission for people to pause things. And maybe we give it too much weight. Like think about people who are like, I'm stepping away from social media. (laughs) Right. We know you guys. Like it's like this grand, noble thing. And I mean, you know. Do your do your hiatuses, however you need to do them. But there, it doesn't always have to be like the biggest deal to put something on pause. Yeah, yeah. It tells you more about how much that matters to you than how much it matters to everybody else. Yeah, no one else is yeah. paying attention. Yeah, yeah. I know, dude. I have to. I've been on both sides of the announce and don't announce, and I'm like, the only difference is not the audience size. It's not why. It's what I feel about my attachment to the thing I'm having to put on pause. That's exactly right, because when I announced that I was closing 10 Things to Tell You, my show, I mean, people were appropriately and polite about, yes. like, uh, you know. Disappointed. Sure. There was no outpouring. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it was so much of a bigger deal to me. People were like. No I it get- wasn't a national day of mourning. <laughs> a lot of us were sad, but it was not a national day of mourning. I did an episode where I explained all of my it reasons. Was beautiful, and yeah. I think people were like, "That makes sense. Good for See you." you. Soon. <laughs> and then they moved on with their life. And you like worked on it for eight days. Yeah, I know. I know. That's true. So many of the things we do, we like have this grand announcement. This is a big decision, you guys. And everyone's like, "No longer be wearing this color of jean." And I've really thought about it. I'm bringing it to you. And everybody's like. Fine, I'm st- I'm gonna f- finish scrolling before this even finishes. Yeah. yeah, I know. Okay, Laura. So everybody's hearing this on March 27th, so they can still pre-order the book. Comes yes, out please. in a week and a half. Yes, I cannot wait. This is fun because it gives them ten days to like process all of this and then sit with it. Okay, so what happens if they go ahead and pre-order it now? Well, there are some pre-order bonuses. Most importantly, that people love from my first book that I did again with this book. I created these things called the secret tapes. Yes. These are private podcast episodes with members of my life council. So yeah. the people that I write about in the book, you can now That's hear so them smart. talk with me about yeah. our friendship, the ups and downs. There are interviews. There are a set of interviews that are private yeah. that you only get if you pre-order the book. Oh, good. So we should go get – I mean, that that will be so helpful as we are – Thinking about our own life council. Yes. To listen through to those. LauraTremaine.com. Is that where we get all that? Mm -hmm. Okay, very good. Your first book, Share Your Stuff, I'll Go First, is Birthday Twins with That Sounds Fun. I know. And you already have another book out. And I have not even thought about writing a book yet. (laughs) I put out a kid's book and a Devo, but not a book book. So good on you. I loved that we shared that I book birthday. I loved that we shared that book birthday. That was one of my favorite parts of that day is you and me and Ben Higgins all having the same launch day. Honestly, when I think back on that week, I think that was one of my favorite parts. Can I say this publicly? Because I really want people to know this about you. You and I were barely acquainted before we mm-hmm. shared a book birthday. We had some mutual friends. We share an agent, but we didn't know each other at all. And you, with your huge platform and amazing business, were so generous to me Someone you did not know that you just trusted the universe, our friends, everything. And you put me on your Instagram Live the same day your book was coming out. Like, I'll never forget it. I say this to people behind the scenes all the time, how generous you were with me in that time. You Can I, I'm also going to say this. I'm just outing you, everybody. We are. Okay. That's, that's 
it's you, just fun. It was fun. You also sent me just completely privately, and no one would ever know this until now, two years later. You also Venmoed me money to get a little manicure, like to celebrate my own yeah. book because that's what you do. And like these are things behind the scenes that no one would ever know. And I think your generosity is like really amazing and that people should know about it. There's so much going on behind the scenes with you that people don't know. Wow. That's very kind. It was, it was, if we'd have been in the same town, I would have sat with you. That's the only difference. We were just too far apart. So I just had to send it for you to do. It was, that's not something that's done. This is a competitive world with podcasters and authors and whatever. It's just not done. No one else has ever done that. That's. I want people to, I want your audience to know that. Okay. That's fine. We won't cut it out. You better leave that <laughs> in, Johnny. I'm serious. He will, he will. Well, Laura, you are um, very easy to cheer for. Oh. You've been good at this for a long time. Thank you, my friend. And so I'm really grateful. Thanks for making time to do this. This was so fun. Um, the last question we always ask, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Okay, well, right now, because Los Angeles has had a very cold winter. No kidding. And so much rain. Bless everything. Warm weather sounds fun to me. I know. But you know the biggest thing that sounds fun to me that I knew I wanted to say on here? is a reading weekend. Have you heard of people doing this? Do you know our bookstore here does it? Parnassus Books takes people on reading weekends. I feel like this is a dream come yes. true. Yes, you've, you've earned yourself a reading weekend. I want to go somewhere lovely, a nice hotel with room service, perhaps. Right. And I just want to read. And bonus, if there's other people there also reading. Yeah, just have like a, a meal a day. I'll share a meal a day at a table. But the rest of the day, I'd like to read on a hammock or on a chair or on... A bed. And I'm not allowed to have my laptop. I cannot work. Yes. yes. I can do nothing. I'm, I am, in fact, only allowed to bring the Kindle. Yes, yes. Just Kindle. No phone even? No. Don't do it. What would we do? I don't know. Oh, would I, would okay. I survive? Would that make it yeah, better or worse? Yeah, that's right. That's right. That's right. I think, how many books, if you were gone for a Friday afternoon to a Sunday afternoon, and it was a reading retreat, do you think you would read three novels? Maybe. You know, as much as I read, I don't – I'm not a fast reader. Mm. I mean, I think I'm a normal-paced yeah. reader. Like, some of these people, you know, do you see that they read, like, 300 books a year? And I'm like, what is happening? <laughs> You're like, find your life accounts. <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, someone it's needs to help you sort out things. Baffling to it me. It is baffling to me. I'm like, are y'all reading every word, or are you just <laughs> looking at every page and calling it red? <laughs> I need you to take an accelerated reader test like we used to in school to see if you actually have can answer questions about this book. So, yeah, I mean, a book a day for me is a stretch. Like, when I've been yeah. on vacation or had time to do that, that's still pretty rare. So even on a three-day weekend, I'd probably read two, two, maybe three. I'd probably read two novels and chunk through a nonfiction in the morning. Like, I would want a, a palate cleanser of a nonfiction with me. Yes. Yeah. That's probably about right. I yeah. also, I mean, let's be honest, I would probably also journal Yes, a oh, little. you're a great journal leader. That's the other, for you guys who want to be better at journaling, I've changed how I journal. I keep meaning to send you a picture. I'll do it tomorrow. I put the date, and now I've started writing where I am because you taught me that. Yeah. I used to just have the date, and now it's like home. Home. The beach, wherever I, wherever I am. Airplane. Airplane, yeah. Oh, my gosh, yes. Airplanes. All right, love you, friend. Thanks for doing this. I love Thanks this. Thanks for writing this book. What a gift, what a gift, what a gift. You're going to heal some friendships this year with this. I'm you are grateful. amazing. Thank, Thank you, you, my friend. Oh, you guys, isn't she the best? I just learned so much from her. I'm so thankful that she really teaches us 
and leads us in some really profound ways for me. Hey, be sure you grab your copy of The Life Council. Follow her on social media. Tell her thanks so much for being on the show and join her like I do for some of those 20-minute reading breaks. So good. If you found this episode helpful or know someone you think would enjoy it, which are your friends that love talking about friendship or want to be talking about friendship more, be sure to share this with them. I can't wait to hear the conversations that this episode is going to start. And be sure to check out the show notes for links to connect with Laura, links to our sponsors, links to my books. All the links are there for you. Okay, so we heard what sounds fun to Laura, and now we get to hear what sounds fun to one of our friends who's listening, just like you. Kyler, because the show is called That Sounds Fun, tell me what sounds fun to you. Uh, I'm Kyler, and I'm from Clyde, Texas, and what sounds fun to me is summer and going to the beach and getting tan and playing with my siblings on the beach, playing volleyball and spike ball and stuff. Oh, yes. I totally agree with you. Okay, are you a beach person, (laughs) a lake person, or a pool person? Oh, beach for sure. Beach person. We just had this conversation this morning at work and everybody but me was beach. So you can come vacation with us anytime. <laughs> oh. Kyler, will yes. you please tell our friends listening where you are and how we're interrupting your day? <laughs> I'm actually at an academic competition, but I stepped outside real quick. Because you are a high school student. <laughs> yes. Yes, that's awesome. What kind of academic competition? Um, it's a UIL competition. So it's just, I have to do some journalism events to... I hope this counts. For school. This shit counts. <laughs> Be like, in the middle, I, I was on a podcast. <laughs> That's awesome, Kyler. That You're amazing. So Very good answer. Congrats on the competition. We hope you win today. Thank you so much. If you need anything else from me, you know I'm embarrassingly easy to find. Annie F. Downs on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all the places you may need me. That is how you can find me. And I think that's it for me today, friends. Go out or stay home and do something that sounds fun to you, and I'll do the same. Today, what sounds fun to me is getting to celebrate with my church staff as they move into their new offices. That's very exciting. So I'm excited for it. Yay, Crosspoint Nashville. Congratulations. Y'all have a great week. We'll see you back here on Thursday with one of our favorites, Charles Martin. And not his son or his brother, but the co-author of a new fascinating book. But yes, they do have the same last name, Pastor Joby Martin. So Thursday is our buddy Charles Martin and Pastor Joby Martin. It is so good. Y'all are going to love this conversation so much. And just a reminder of our rhythms around here. We don't release or record episodes during Holy Week. That is between Palm Sunday and Easter. So Thursday's episode will kind of be our last one that walks us into Holy Week. And I can't think of anybody better than Charles Martin and Pastor Joby Martin. So we will see you on Thursday. Thursday.